That is a powerful testimony of Scripture. And I don't know about you, but uh, I'm sure that you know it's Easter Sunday, right? Uh, that's why many of you are here today. If you're a good American, Americans show up to church on Easter and on Christmas. And uh, we're glad that uh, you have all made the effort to be here this morning. And because it's Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know that this is uh, interesting discussion for many because uh, there are skeptics out there who do not believe in the resurrection from the dead. And by the way, you're in uh, good company because did you hear the Apostle Paul referencing some of those folks even 10, 15 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead? Even way back then, folks doubted the resurrection and they doubted that such a thing existed. And I know that many of you are Christians. You have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you have followed Christ. Uh, some of you not too long and some of you for a long time. And uh, this message is meant to encourage you and to strengthen you. For those of you who are skeptical and cynical, uh, hopefully this message will encourage you to, at the very least, consider the claims of Jesus Christ. And at the very least, allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart into your soul this morning. This passage begins by Paul talking about preaching. Um, and whenever we hear this word preaching, we have uh, something comes to our minds. Uh, we think of uh, somebody like me standing in front of people like you with a Bible or a pulpit, and we've broken one rule without a pulpit so far. Um, and we think of pastors who get angry sometimes and they pound things and their faces turn red. That's the kind of church I grew up in. Um, and it freaked me out, honestly. Uh, as a child, I was scared. In fact, I went, I went down every Sunday to accept Jesus into my heart once again every week. And because uh, the, the preacher just was really scary. That was the main reason. Um, and so every Sunday, because of the scary preacher, I'd go down and accept Jesus into my heart. And I did that again and again and again and again and again. And uh, finally it stuck, I think. And uh, when we hear the word preaching, though, sometimes we think, oh, brother, that's the boring part of church. Um, that's the part where we have the talking head and he gets up and he talks at us. Sometimes we think of, of monotone, like talking and going on and on and on. Sometimes we think of a, a certain style of, of speaking. And Paul here is using a very specific Word when he talks about preaching. And if you think about it, they had to kind of invent things because uh, it, it, it didn't exist yet. I mean, they were, they were kind of creating the church as they went along because the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ is what started the church. And so they had to make it up as they went. Kind of sounds like another church I know about. Um, that was funny, by the way. <laughs> It's no fun. It's not fun if you have to tell your audience that it was a joke. Anyways, uh, they were making it up as they went along. They had to figure things out, and they had to come up with a word for what it was they were doing. And they had very specific words uh, that they could have used. The Greek language is full of great words. I won't bore you with some of them, but I really like them. And, and some of them had to do with teaching. And they, they could have used the word teaching, you know, the, the gospel we taught to you, the, the things we've, we've taught 
as we've walked around and we've, we've shared, we've taught what we know, they could have used the word for teaching and they didn't. They, they could have used the word uh, philosophize. You know, we walked around and we, we shared our philosophy with you. And they didn't use the word philosophy. They didn't use that idea. Uh, they chose this word preach. And the word has a very specific historical meaning and, 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 and context. Today we have televisions, um, most of us, and, and, and we watch the evening news, or at least we used to. Uh, ratings are going down and down and down, right? Um, in, in fact, I don't watch the news very much because the commercials I find completely irrelevant with my life. But anyways, uh, I get my news mainly on the internet nowadays. Uh, and many people, though, watch the news, they read the news, they, they find news some way. And there's two types of news. There's soft news stories, and then there's hard news stories. And soft news stories are, are, are those you know, human interest stories, or, or the, the stories about the cat who decided to climb up the, uh, the telephone pole and was stuck there for three days, and, and the owner finally went out with, a, uh, with, with one of those uh, paintball guns and shot at it, and, and then PETA got all upset, and then it becomes hard news. But you know, it started out soft news, and... Um, and then soft news is about what is the, what's the color for 2013? Does anybody know, ladies, what the color for fashion is? I don't know. Uh, that's soft news. What are the styles? What is everybody wearing? What is the, the latest, greatest? What's the gossip in Hollywood? That's, that's soft news. And then there's hard news. There's, you know, uh, investigative reporting, and, and there's, uh, there's talk about politics, and, and it's uh, up to the minute updates about what's going on in the world and it's crime and it's it's international intrigue and it's all those things that are going on in the world that are uh, that are truly factual things that that are supposed to be reported to us about who what where when why and how and in the ancient world they didn't have television i know some of you came here just to hear that today and they didn't have the internet Al Gore had not invented it yet, and uh, they didn't have radio. They, they had, uh, at the center of town, they had a, a, a sort of like a bulletin board, and they had a town crier, and he was a herald, not the name, but the, the you know, the title. And, and Harold, the Herald, I mean, it could have been Harold the Herald, I guess, but Harold would, would go to the center of town, and, and he would proclaim the news. He would, he would say, hey, guess what happened in Athens today? What happened in Sparta today? And he would proclaim the news. He would cry it out loud, and then he would post it on the bulletin board so that people could come. And I, I think I misunderstood what he said. Let me go read that, because that doesn't sound like the Athenians at all. I can't believe it. Oh, did you hear about the Cretans? Yeah, I believe what they did. But, uh, you know, the Ephesians did that. So anyways, that's, that's the word that... The early church adopted for preaching. That's the word. The, the word to, to herald news. To share facts with people. The hard news. Not, not soft news. I mean, there was no guy who ran around from town to town and, hey, what's the latest styles in Sparta this week? You know, um, There was no soft news back then. People wouldn't have cared. They were, they were interested in, in hard news. And you see, that word in this passage 
lets us know that at the very heart of the Christian faith, it's not a philosophy, and it's not primarily a way to do life, although it affects that. It's primarily historical facts. It's primarily about historical facts. In fact, when you read this passage and you see how Paul develops this, and and in fact, most scholars agree that that what he quotes here was an early church catechism, an early church creed that they had put together uh, so that it would be easily remembered and transmitted from person to person. It'd be easily heralded in the towns. And so Paul tells us that he didn't even come up with this himself. He says, I received this. Most scholars agree that he received this from Peter and from James, the apostles in Jerusalem. And look what he received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he died for our sins. You know, I love what Phil shared. Because all of us are going to die someday. I don't like that he shared that you know fact with me, but I, I don't like the fact so much, but... It's true. All of us are going to die someday. There is a six-foot cold hole waiting for you, for me. And Phil shares with us that Jesus died for our sins. He's just sharing what's been passed down to him. All of us are going to die. But many of us will die deaths that are purposeless. They, They won't benefit anybody. But Jesus' death benefited the entire world if we place our faith in him. Jesus' death was for our sins. As I like to say, Jesus lived the life that you and I could not live. And he died the death that you and I should have died. And then he says that he was buried. It just kind of emphasizes that he actually died. In fact, um, there's, a, there's a scholar, Gary Habermas. And uh, he has looked at 2,200 different articles in books in French, German, and English. And these are written by historians. These are written by cynics and skeptics. Some are written by believers. He has looked at 2,200 different sources outside of the Bible. And all of these writings were written from 1975 to the present. And he has identified that there are minimal facts that are strongly evidenced in all of these 2,200 sources. And do you know that all 2,200 sources, 99% of those scholars, we're talking PhD, earned PhDs, and doctors of philosophy and religion and history, men and women around the world, 99% of them say, yes, Jesus died, and yes, Jesus was buried. And we go, yeah, of course he was. That's going to happen to all of us, right? But do you know what's even more amazing? The 99% of them, they they don't necessarily agree that Jesus rose from the dead, but they do agree, 99% of them agree that the disciples and followers of Jesus believed that they experienced the risen Christ. 99% of these scholars say that, yes, the disciples believed that they experienced the risen Christ. 
Now, those scholars would say they don't believe necessarily, not all of them would say that they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But they all, 99% of them say, the disciples believe that they experienced Jesus. That the disciples believe, the apostles believe, the early church believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. And Paul goes on to develop his facts and he says... He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who we now call Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And then look at this little thing he adds, most of whom are still alive. What do you think he's doing there? You doubt this message? Why don't you go talk to some of those folks? Why don't you go investigate this with those people who were there? Because there were 500 of them. Most of them are still alive, though some have, have fallen asleep. But most of those 500 people are still alive, says Paul. Not anymore, right? But they were then. And did you know that the church was growing exponentially? It was growing like wildfire in the early world, in the ancient world. And the government, the leaders of the ancient world, wanted to just stamp it out. Why didn't they? I mean, it wasn't a democracy in most of the ancient world. People didn't vote on it. There wasn't opinion polls. People didn't say, yeah, 99% of Americans believe that Jesus rose from the dead, so therefore... I mean, these were empires and dictators, and if you didn't like somebody, you said, off with their head. Why weren't they able to stamp out the church? You see, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then one of the things, and often people believe, that, that the church, that believers in Jesus have to prove it. And really, what has to be proven by people who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They have to prove to us why on earth the church exists. Why does the church exist 2,000 years later if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead? Why were the early followers of Jesus, all of them apostles except for two, why were they willing to die and actually did die for their faith in Jesus Christ? For their testimony, for their, their heralding, for their crying out in towns around the ancient world, they were willing and many did die for their faith in Christ. If, if he didn't rise from the dead, those have got to be some of the dumbest knuckleheads that ever walked the face of the earth. In fact, did you see what Paul said? He basically said that. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, we... We should be pitied among most folks. The Christian faith is primarily a historical event. It is an event that has shaped human history for 2,000 years. And if I had the time, and aren't you glad I don't? Because I could go on. But it is an event that has shaped our world like few other, in fact, I would be bold enough to say like no other event in human history ever has. Did you listen closely to the words and the songs that you sang this morning? I mean, if you sang. 
I, we don't want anybody to lie while they're singing, by the way. So, uh, you know, if you don't believe those words, it's probably best not to sing. And we appreciate you not singing. But if you believe those words, you should sing those words. And did you notice how many times in those songs we taunted death? Did you hear it? Every time I taunt something, I kind of smile a little bit, like Raiders fans, you know? <laughs> or people from Yuma. If you're from Yuma, I'm sorry, you know, but you'll be taunted later. Anyways. Or the community I grew up in, I went to Littleton High School and we taunted kids from Cherry Creek High School. Uh, we love to do that. And it's just human nature to taunt things. And the funny thing is, even after you lose, you still taunt stuff, right? Only it's not nearly as fun and you kind of look stupid then. And did you hear those words? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? It's a taunt. Who are you to taunt death? Who am I to taunt death? You see, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection from the dead, you can taunt death. And that's way more fun than taunting Raider fans. Because, see, the problem with this whole Christian thing is there are Christian Raider fans. I know that's like an oxymoron for most of us. But there are Christian Raider fans. And so, you know, we kind of got a mutual enemy in death that we can taunt at least together. And if we, if we follow Jesus Christ, this is far better. These hard facts that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is far better news than any soft news I could share with you. Because many churches nowadays are changing the hard news of the gospel to soft news. Ten ways to be successful in life. Five ways to win friends and influence people. Six ways that you can have a, a better marriage. And by the way, the gospel, Jesus Christ having risen from the dead, those hard facts will impact the rest of your life. They will. It'll spill over. Because why would you ever worry? Because the worst thing that could happen to you is that you might end up dead in a ditch. But that's the best thing that could happen to you. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ, to die is to gain. You just sang songs taunting death. What have you to fear? Why worry? Why worry about your children? Why concern yourself with things? There's a philosopher, his name is Cameron. And he has written many books. And one of his books, he, he talked about... Um, this concept of, uh, how about I, 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 let's say I was going to kill you. I mean, that sounds horrible for a preacher to say, but it's not my words, it's this philosopher's words. And he says, let's say I was going to kill you, and I, it's 7 o'clock now, and, and I'm going to kill you at 7.30. So why don't you pick some of your favorite things to do for the next half hour and, and do those things? So what are some of your favorite things to do? And so me, I would say, well, I love to eat barbecue, so I'm going to have to make sure to eat some barbecue. Uh, I, I, I love um, some certain music, so I'm going to have to listen to me some certain music. Uh, there's some people I enjoy in life, so I'm going to have to call them real quick and, and, and do those things. And he says, all right, you've got 30 minutes, go do those things. And enjoy your last 30 minutes of life. And I, I would say back to him, I don't know if I'll be able to enjoy those last 30 minutes of life because I know I'm going to die at 7.30. It kind of puts a damper on those activities. 
And Camel says, that's how we all are. Whether we have 30 minutes or 30 years, death hovers over all of us. And if death hovers over all of us, and we're not sure when it strikes, then how could we enjoy anything in life? You see, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can enjoy this life. You can taunt death. You can destroy death just like Jesus did because death swallowed Jesus and he exploded in its bowels. Burst forth. You and I can too through the power of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, do not worry. Do not concern yourselves about anything because the further down they lay you, the higher you will rise. If you don't know Christ and death taunts you, and death haunts you, and you're not sure about this Jesus and whether he rose from the dead, you owe it to yourself to find out. And don't say, oh, I don't have the time. You'll have the time to die eventually. I mean, you won't have it on your schedule, but it will happen. The very least, investigate these things. Find out what makes Duck Commander, what makes that guy tick. Find out if what Jesus Christ said he was going to do, he actually did. You owe it to yourself. And if you find that uh, this can possibly happen, there's no way that these things are true, then guess what? You get to take next Easter Sunday off. You get to sleep in. And don't let anybody harass you into coming. I mean, be honest and just say, I don't believe it. It doesn't work for me. I don't think it really happened. I mean, be honest. Own up to it. Don't play around with these ideas, with these, not just ideas, with these historical facts. Wouldn't you rather have slept in this morning if you don't believe this anyways? Well, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I believe that fact more than any other I've ever been taught in my life. Karl Barth, at the end of his life, was asked, what is the greatest truth in the Bible? And he shared it in song. He said, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. He shows it in his death, his love for you. He shows it in defeating death by his resurrection for you so that you and I will one day rise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these truths that we can hang our hat on. 
that we can build our lives upon. And Lord, I pray for the skeptics and cynics, not only here today, but in this world, who are perhaps attending an Easter service here or elsewhere. We pray, Father, that they would investigate the claims of Christ. Lord, thank you that it is the job of the church to preach, to herald, to proclaim this news that Jesus Christ has risen. Let us proclaim it with our mouths. Let us proclaim it with our lives. May we know in the very fabric of our being that Christ is risen. Amen.